I think oftentimes we tend to martyr ourselves for, for our kids and that we give everything to the baby. You know, we kind of, we don't take care of ourselves and the baby is very well taken care of. Uh, baby has everything baby needs. But we as parents uh, haven't slept, we haven't eaten properly, haven't drinking enough water. Um, and it's, it's really, um, working with this population, I, I tend to focus a lot on self-care yeah. because that does go out the window as soon as baby arrives and sometimes even before. Welcome to Fit as a Fiddle. My name is Dr. Sneha Ghazi, and I'm a physical therapist and business owner in New York City. Each episode, we bring you phenomenal guests in the health and wellness industry who share inspiring tips and tangible advice. This podcast is for a community of people who want to keep their mind, body, and spirit healthy and thriving. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe, review, and enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome to our show. Today, we have Olivia Bergeron. She is the founder um, of Mommy Grooves, and she helps a whole host of different mental health issues and um, just different things that people are facing in their everyday lives. And one of the things that I've connected with her on is postpartum depression. So just working with the new mom population and knowing that they are at risk, um, you know, her work can help address that and help overcome some of the barriers. So welcome, Olivia. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us today. And I want That's you to right. go ahead and give a better introduction than I did on what you do so people can get an understanding of your work. All right. Well, that was a fine introduction, but I'm happy to add a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I do specialize in working with parents, both as a psychotherapist and as a parenting coach. Uh, my first love, though, is, is working with the perinatal population. So that's basically you know, pregnant parents, new parents. Um, but obviously with parent coaching folks, I, I work with them up until their kids are about in the tween years or so, or early adolescence. Um, but again, I, my, my passion how I first started out was really working with this population of new parents. Um, so I'm really happy to, to uh, maybe spread some information for folks and let them know how to get help. Um, so yeah, I've got offices, like I said, in Union Square and in Park Slope. And I'm happy to uh, field phone conversations or emails from folks that just have a question if they want to reach out. They're absolutely welcome to do so. I really encourage them to do that. My website is mommygroove.com. So they're welcome to reach out. So yeah. Perfect. Awesome. We're glad to have you in the New York City area because I'm sure there's a high population of new moms here and um, you know different age groups too, different demographics, different age groups. And I know you're like trilingual and like so many different languages that are very popular in New York as well. So I think that's really helpful to have someone. Yeah, there. I speak Spanish and French, so that's I'm happy to help people in those languages as well. Perfect. Great. So why don't you get us started off with kind of the meat and potatoes of what exactly is postpartum depression? Firstly, give us giving us just like a general like understanding clinically of what you see. Mm -hmm. Sure thing. Uh, one thing it's not is the baby blues. I think a lot of people conflate the, both postpartum depression and the baby blues, and I think that does a real disservice for everybody. Um, so, the baby blues, first of all, just to kind of give an, a little bit of an overview, um, is something that we see across cultures, across time. And it is something that is, is transient. And it is basically um, a moodiness that mothers experience after giving birth that usually shows up around day three to day five. So usually they say when the milk comes in, the tears aren't far behind. And that's really the, the, the case here. So it's a good, a good rule of thumb. Um, but the baby blues can happen anytime the first month or so. If it does last more than two weeks, then that's not the baby blues anymore. And the people need to get, need to get more, more help there. 
Um, but basically you'll, you'll see moms that are kind of uh, all over the place hormonally, that they're, they're you know, laughing through tears, they're feeling like they're you know, crying at commercials. Um, um, it's just a sense of kind of being up, being up and down mood-wise. But overall, uh, they feel good, they feel okay. So I liken it to, um, you know, the sun is out, but the clouds are passing over the sun. And so, whereas uh, once you head into territory that it's more like postpartum depression or anxiety, uh, it's pretty cloudy. Uh, the sun doesn't come out very often. And yeah. So that's kind of an idea. Um, but so the baby blues, uh, again, it is, we see it in literature is a little bit over the map in terms of uh, the percentage of that actually occurs, but I've seen 50 to 80% of people experience the, the baby blues. I would liken it closer to almost almost 100%. Because show me a mom that's not um, moody. Yeah. <laughs> that's not kind of like a, a little bit all over the place, particularly after she gets birth, just because she's recovering physically um and so um it's it's important to bear that in mind now postpartum depression and anxiety um it's a bit of a misnomer so the, the true clinical term is perinatal mood and anxiety disorders which is a bit of a mouthful um because we yeah well, most people don't again we, we don't uh we don't hear that, that that phrase tossed around too much you know professionals will say pmads as an abbreviation oh, um, right. okay. I see, I see. but it's but it's still not a common 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 parlance unfortunately. So I think it is a misnomer and that about half the time, um, you know, PPD will show up during pregnancy. So it's not, it's not just postpartum. A lot of times folks start to experience these symptoms during the pregnancy itself, which is why um, calling it PPD is really, is really not, not accurate. Um, mm -hmm. Oftentimes too, we assume it's just depression. So people are either sad or mopey or unable to kind of get out of bed. Actually, the most common presentation is actually anxiety. So people are, are so hyped up, they can't go to sleep when the baby's sleeping. Um, they're kind of ruminating, they're constantly worrying, things are on their mind, they're, you know, they're up and they're cleaning and they're kind of just, they're very agitated. And that is a much more common presentation than you're gonna see than, than a depression per se. So that's another important thing to, I think, to bear in mind. And that um, I think a lot of folks too, um, just don't recognize what they're experiencing and that they, they assume, well, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not depressed. Something's off, but I'm not depressed. So they don't think that it is postpartum depression or anxiety because of that. So I think it's incumbent upon us as professionals really to, to spread the word that, um, you know, some people do present as more depressed, um, a low energy, uh, but the more, much more common presentation is gonna be anxious and, and kind of uh, all, all revved up and unable to settle. Got it. So that's, and that's what exactly, and I guess your like understanding of the literature and your personal experience as well, what do you think is kind of the root cause of it specifically? Yeah, it's actually a syndrome, so it doesn't have one specific cause. Uh, and I wish I could say, you know, this is this happened to you, then you're going to experience this, and here's what you can do about it. It just it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and there, there's a constellation of, 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 of you know, uh, risk factors, I would say, that, that yeah. are, are leading us to believe that <clears throat> people that experience these risk factors are more, more likely to have yeah. perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And that would be either genetic predisposition. So if um, if your family member, close family members, had depression or anxiety in the past, that, that's that's a big risk factor. Um, if you've actually experienced depression or anxiety yourself in the past, that that's the biggest indicator. That, that's you're at the highest risk, basically. Um, not to say that as a guarantee that you're going to experience, you know, PPD, but you're at much greater risk. Um, if you have a colicky baby, if you've had a C-section. If you've had um, a lack of support, so if you don't have people around that are going to help you take care of your child or take care of you after yeah. giving birth, um, 
Uh, if you're isolated, um, if you've had medical complications or the baby has had medical complications, those two are, are risk factors. And so um, really be aware that that, that can, um, these folks that are experiencing any one of those risk factors really need to be um, taking care of themselves. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a good indication. So listeners who are maybe themselves or have loved ones who have any of those risk factors, how many do you think is a good um, number to be, is there like a minimum risk factor that you know, puts you into uh, getting clinically diagnosed or are they just general risk factors? In my experience, if you're suffering, get help. Yeah. You know, and, and, and if, if it's one or two or three or four, I mean, to me, that doesn't really matter. And people that have really no obvious risk factors also experience this. Yeah. So that's why I think it's important to bear that in mind. And some people are like, well, I'm, I don't have any of those risk factors, so I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And fortunately, some folks do end up suffering, um, you know, following the birth or during the pregnancy. So it's not like you're immune or kind of inoculated uh, when those risk factors aren't present. Yeah. But, um, but I think to your point, making sure that you're getting more support than you probably think you're going to need. That yeah. to me is, a, I tell people to prepare as if you were having twins. Ah. So, you know, and I've got twins myself, so I know that you can, <laughs> you never have too much support. Yeah. Um, and that's just a rule of thumb because I think that, you know, even if you don't take people up on the, you know, the, the, the offer of support, if yeah. you line it up ahead of time, while you have the presence of mind, while you have, you know, just your hands are free. Um, in other words, you know, hope in advance, basically. Think about the things that you might need after the birth. I think a lot of people um, prepare really for the day of birth, of the classes, and they've got all the, you know, the gear and that kind of stuff. And they're not really thinking about what happens after. Yeah. And to me, you know, the next 18 years that you're going to spend with your child uh, are vastly more uh, important and challenging yeah. than the day of birth. Uh, and it's important to be like looking forward a little bit. Uh, although I know that, that, you know, people tend to kind of focus on, on that one specific day and, you know, giving birth and getting the baby out, which is again, important, of course. Um, hmm. But there's also a lot more to come. And so really thinking about what, what, what comes next is key. Yeah. Is there, with just your time working with patients who have this, is there like a specific shift in thought process or shift in the way someone is managing their thoughts and their uh, feelings that help them get over this faster? Like a, maybe a word of advice or something like that that you give? Well, I think that, again, um, the self-care piece is really, really critical. Mm -hmm. uh, I think oftentimes we tend to martyr ourselves for, for our kids. And that we give everything to the baby, you know, we kind of, we don't take care of ourselves. And the baby is very well taken care of. Uh, baby has everything baby needs. But we as parents uh, haven't slept, we haven't eaten properly, haven't drinking enough water. Um, it, and it's, it's really, um, working with this population, I, I tend to focus a lot on self-care. Yeah. Because that does go out the window as soon as baby arrives, and sometimes even before. And yeah. again, we tend to martyr ourselves, and, and that, that doesn't, uh, doesn't help anybody. So yeah. making sure that parents are really... Uh, you know, brass tacks again. Are they are they resting? Are they sleeping enough? Are they are they um, getting outside? Getting dressed? Getting a shower every day? Eating regularly? Uh, eating quality foods? Uh, like I said, drinking enough water, particularly if they're nursing. Um, now these are all these are all ways to really um, create support. I think also finding finding community. So at least here in Brooklyn, a lot of the neighborhoods, actually most of the neighborhoods, have parent uh, like Yahoo groups set up and Facebook groups so you can really connect to the community and, and throw out a, you know, a text or a post saying, you know, I'm going to go out and get a, go for a walk with my baby. Does anyone want to join me? Yeah. I think it can be exceptionally isolating. I yeah. think that, that there's no time in history where we've been alone with a baby for 12 hours at a time 
and, and just expect it. And that, that's kind of the normal, the standard. So we really do need to find community, particularly okay. here in New York. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think here in New York, and people are away from the families of origin, right? So you don't have that built-in level of support. You yep. don't have that, you know, grandma, grandpa down the hall, you can pass the baby, <laughs> go take yeah. a walk, go, go get a shower, go go what you need to get done. Um, and so we need to really find that. Or in some cases, buy that. I think, you know, paying for a postpartum doula, paying for, uh, you know, a baby nurse if you need to, you know, getting that, that, that support, if you can, you know, if you can make that work for you. Yeah. is really an investment um, because because we don't have that built-in support that we used to have, you know, generations ago. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're a bit on our own these days. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, we are really surrounded by people all day long in New York City, but we don't often find that community to connect with people. And I, I mean, I'm sure there are tons and tons of resources, right? Like you said, the Yahoo groups. I know that there are a lot of meetups, um, I believe, that people can go to. Um, and like you said, social media is a huge part of everyone's daily life now. And so, you know, yeah, so make use of it. Yeah. Make use of it. I think, you know, there, there are certainly meetup groups and, and again, like gatherings for your parents and not everyone you meet there is going to be your best friend. And that's, that's okay. Just yeah. because you have a baby doesn't mean you're going to be best friends, but no one understands what you're going through. Like another new parent. Yeah. Frankly, no one, no one, no one gets it. Your, your friends, even people that have had, you know, kids years ago, uh, find it really hard to relate. I think in some ways, because it feels so you know, so kind of back in the, the past, it gets a little cloudy and a little fuzzy about what it was actually like. Um, yeah. You know, another parent that's going through what you're going through, you know, being sleep deprived, having, you know, worrying about, mm-hmm. about your child, are they growing it up? Are they developing? Are they getting enough weight? Yeah. Uh, those kind of preoccupations, I think, are something that other new parents will share and be yeah. able to relate to. And I think yeah. that's really important to find that, find that community. Yeah. And what does someone like you, um, like a clinical psychologist or counselors or other people, I'm sure psychiatry can also help. What exactly is sort of a treatment plan for like very standard typical case for this in terms of prognosis and what happens just so people can understand and not be afraid to, you know, go to seek help so that they kind of get an idea and a sense of it beforehand. Like, sure. I mean, I think I always joke, I'm always trying to work myself out of a job. You know, I always want to give people the help that they need as soon as possible, because if you're a parent, you don't have time to waste. Yeah. You need to feel better now, not in six months from now, not in nine months from now, but but now. Yeah. Uh, for your sake and for your, for your child's sake. So that's that's one thing. Um, mm-hmm. I find that too, there are a lot of um, therapists in New York City, for sure. But if you're not taking into account the very specific context of having a new child and all that, that entails, both you know the gift of your child and the loss, mm-hmm. loss of time, loss of finances, loss of space, uh, your friend, friendship groups oftentimes you know go sideways or um, disappear. Um, you know, relationships with, with, with partners can, can change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, that if that's not being um, considered, then I really think that the, you know, the, the, the therapists are, are missing a big piece. So I would suggest that people, if they are looking for help, finding somebody who really is specialized in working with this particular time in someone's life and the perineal period is critical. Um, I would also say that um, you know, everyone I've worked with has gotten better. This is very, very treatable. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, that that's the takeaway. Whether people work with me or with somebody else who specialized in this area, uh, there's no need to suffer. I think a lot of people try to kind of white knuckle it, frankly, mm-hmm. and, and try to kind of like force their way through it and see and hope that it's going to get better. Um, and when it, when it doesn't, when things seem to linger, um, either they blame themselves or they, again, they, don't, they don't find the time to get the help that they need, which yeah. creates needless suffering. It's not necessary to suffer that way. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people just assume this is just how it is. You know, parenthood just doesn't feel good. I never, and I hear this time and time again, unfortunately, 
you know, after I gave birth, I just never felt like myself again. I just assumed that that was, that was an old, and that can happen, you know, when, when their kid is, is, is one, two, three years old, they, they just kind of, they just go through it and suffer through it, which is just unnecessary. And I find that heartbreaking because and I think that, you know, for folks like you that are disseminating the information like you are and providing levels of support, like, like you do, um, it can be really important to get people the access to the help they need, frankly. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, that's a very positive thing that you said, which is that people do get better from this and more often than not, because I think a lot of the barrier could be, well, what can having a conversation with somebody going to do for me, you know, and people Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, you know, like I've got it. Like you said, like kind of pushing through it, but when they don't understand that things can actually be just fine, it's hard to seek that help. And even if it's provided to you, it's hard to accept it. And I guess when I kind of compare it to physical therapy, if the patient Mm -hmm. doesn't want to get better, then there's nothing that can get them better. If they're not open to receiving the care and open to kind of um, exploring that option themselves, then it's really hard. That's probably the hardest, even if it's the most simple diagnosis, it can still be the hardest case to get someone out of pain and suffering. So it's, good to hear that people do get better and that it is absolutely it works (laughs) it does work yeah i mean i think that again it's it's and the earlier people get help the faster they feel better yeah that's that's the other you know so don't it's really not worth it to kind of you know white knuckle it or kind of grin and bear it because it really it's it's just needless suffering and i'm not a big fan of suffering um if you ask what the what the arc of of the therapy treatment would be like and usually it is and you focus on self-care, making sure that, that that's built up. Kind of that, that's the base of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Then I use uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is basically, um, it's fairly intuitive. It's, it's how you think about things affects how you feel and how you behave. Mm-hmm. So looking at some of the thought patterns that, that are kind of getting in the way that are, if you're assuming the worst case scenario is going to happen, for instance, uh, I will never sleep through the night, for instance. <laughs> My child will never sleep. Um, as if you have a crystal ball, which you do not. Yeah. Then of course you're going to be depressed or anxious about that or both. And so yeah. it's, it's kind of questioning and looking at these, these assumptions that people are making and, and looking at, at it in a more balanced way. And zooming out a little bit is, 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 is really key and really helpful. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good to hear that, you know, there is a solution to it. People have access to resources, especially in New York City. Um, and if they're not in New York City, is there something that they can do with a quick Google search to find help? Sure thing. Yep. Yep. There's a great organization called Postpartum Support International. Perfect. Postpartum. Um, web- right. It's postpartum.net, um, I believe, is their website. Great. So that's definitely worth checking out. And they have two representatives in every state that can point people towards services in their area. Fantastic. That's if good to know. If you're in Jersey or if you're in Connecticut, yeah, you can certainly go to that website and find, find resources. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Olivia. This has been so informative. And you're a lovely person, and I love collaborating with you as usual <laughs> and meeting you infrequently or frequently, depending on the month. <laughs> right, right. Um, but we'll hopefully be able to collaborate more. And thank you so much for your help and spreading awareness of this, both through your service in New York City. And I know you're involved in a lot of different things like perinatal connections, bringing together, um, you know, healthcare professionals and um, doulas and you know, OBGYNs, all sorts of people in the postpartum world and the perinatal world together so thank you for that thank you for your commitment and your service to this industry because we know it's underserved and there's so much that we can do so thank you for doing that thank you
Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone gained a lot of new information out of this episode. Please subscribe and review the show. It means the world. I can't wait for you to listen to the next episode.